We are in the Kutimaran Torah Chaf, Seif Bet, Torah 20 in the Kutimaran, part 2. This Torah is called Tish'at And in this Torah, Rabbi Nachman is explaining to us the second chapter of Sifra Ditzniyuta, which is one of the five chapters of this holy book that is brought in the Zohar, which our tradition teaches us was written, this book was written by um, Yaakov Avinu, and it contains within it all the secrets of the Torah in five short chapters. So in every word in these chapters, in this book, in the Sifra Ditsniyuta, is contained worlds and worlds and worlds of Torah. Dimensions and dimensions. Everything is contained in these five five chapters. And uh, there's actually um, uh, Rabbi, uh, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai in the Zohar says about these five chapters. He says that even though it contains everything, he says that only somebody who already knows everything is able to find everything in these five chapters, obviously. Right? So there is a tremendous significance in the five chapters because they contain all the secrets of the Torah. But at the same time, in order to decipher those secrets of the Torah, you must learn them and all the other books and all the other Svarim throughout the rest of the Zohar, throughout the words of the Arizal. Uh, and then you'll be able to come back to these five chapters and see how they this is, is alluding to that concept and this is alluding to this. And Rabbi Nachman, what he does is he gives us the, the soul of Zifra Ditzniyuta. He has a few Torahs in the Kutam Maran that are coming to explain to us this book. Uh, the words from this, these this, these five chapters, and uh, and he only gives us a few words each time, and then he gives us a whole Torah on those words, and that is meant to give us the spirit, the energy, the the soul of that chapter in in, in Sifra Ditzniyutan. So here he's giving us over the the third chapter of of Sifra Ditzniyutan, not not the second one, the third one. That, said, that begins with Tishatikunim, the nine rectifications that are connected to the holy beard. The holy beard. And the holy beard is not just a physical uh, representation of our beard here, but there is a world, many, many, many worlds that are connected to what's called divine, the supernal beard, which doesn't have a shape, doesn't have a form, it's just metaphorical for us to understand that. And all, and in this Torah, we saw up until now how there is a soul that is the source of all the explanations of the Torah for the whole world. And we're going to see that all the different concepts of this Torah and the Kutemaran, the basic, the formula of how we are able to inherit the land. Everything that we're doing in this world as Jews is to inherit the land of Israel. To inherit Eretz Yisrael, because Eretz Yisrael, the land of Israel, also represents the eternal world. It's the physical representation of the land of the living, of the eternal living. Okay, it's like David and, and Tehillim says. Um, he calls it Eretz Achaim, land of life. Okay, and so this land, and this is the aspect of Shekhinah. This is the aspect of Malchut. 
So the representation, the greatest representation, the greatest revelation of Shekhinah in this world is in the land of in Eretz Yisrael. And so that's the aspect of the land of life, the land of eternal life. And, um, and in this world, by us inheriting the land, living in the land, serving Hashem in this land, most importantly, serving Hashem in this land, it's not just about living in the land, because that could cause more harm than good if a person lives in the palace of the king, and even in the palace of the king, and they live in an inappropriate way, in a disrespectful way, so then that's more harm than good. But it's about living in the palace of the king, close to the king, honoring the king, respecting the king, glorifying the king in the greatest way possible, and increasing increasing that honor of the king, that, 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 you know, increasing that energy throughout the palace, that awareness of the greatness of the king, the, the royalty of the king, experience of the royalty of the king, uh, the recognition of that royalty, of that awesomeness of the king throughout the palace, throughout the Holy Land. And when you do that effectively, so then that light of the king is spread throughout the whole world. That's really the purpose uh, that we have in living in Eretz Israel is about if we live in this land, it's kind of like the control center of the whole world, because as we know, Kabbalistically, the channel for all of life energy into the whole world is through, uh, it's in Eretz Yisrael, it's in Yerushalayim, it's in the point of the Holy of Holies uh, in the Beit HaMikdash, okay? And that's the source of creation, not just at the beginning of creation of the world, but in each moment the world is being created. And the source of that energy that gives creation, gives existence to the whole world is coming down. It's being, it's kind of like the umbilical cord of the world, so to speak, okay, is, is through this point. And so this is living here in Eretz Yisrael is like you're living you're in the control center of the whole world. And so if in that spot, in that place, in that area, you are living in alignment with Hashem, with Hashem's Torah, and you are uh, honoring Hashem, respecting Hashem, living in a respectful way to Hashem, living in that deeper connection to Hashem, living with that deeper love of Hashem and the Torah, and you are revealing that light, in all your interactions in your life, so then that will spread effectively throughout the whole world. Okay, if you were living that way in some corner of the world, maybe you would have an influence in that corner of the world, but it's not it's not sure that that influence would spread effectively throughout the whole world as much as now that you're living at the, the center of the world, spiritually, and in that place, in that control center, you are living in alignment with the Torah, increasing that light, so then it effectively spreads throughout the whole world. And so there's a tremendous significance, this tremendous power in inheriting the land, living in the land, in the way of the Torah, in the way that Hashem wishes us to live in this land, in this world. And so, but there is a process. How do we get to there? Because as we know, um, the whole process of uh, what we learn in the Torah, of leaving Mitzrayim, and then traveling 
in the desert, okay, receiving the Torah and traveling in the desert in order to go to Eretz Yisrael, that's the journey that each one of us must make on a personal level, okay, metaphorically, okay. Some some people were born in Israel, so they also have to go through the process of living, leaving their metaphorical, their personal Mitzrayim, and traveling through the the process of traveling through the desert what does that mean so those are all the trials the tribulations the you know the 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 the, the, the that a person is is sort of tested along the way where a person is given the opportunity to refine their intention and to align themselves more clearly with with in a pure way with the will of Hashem with the Torah and with the mitzvot and then Effectively coming to Israel in, and inheriting your own personal Eretz Achayim. And that's what happens when a person passes away to the degree and to the extent that a person has succeeded in that, a person will inherit that land of eternal life. Okay? And so this is a process that each one of us has to go through. And in this process, this whole process of leaving Mitzrayim, the process of uh, going through the desert, having the leaders, the Moshe and the Aharon, these are themes that we see in the story here. Um, the, the, the soul of Miriam, which is the source of the explanations of the Torah, which gives us the water that we need in order to survive. The water is really the life energy. Okay, the Be'er Mein Chaim, the wellspring of living waters that is given to us as the explanations of Torah that as we explain answers all of our questions and answering the questions answering questions we said really is the solution to all problems is in other words the answer to all questions and so this water of the holy torah the explanations of the torah that is drawn to us by miriam the soul the miriam soul okay in the generation it it, it solves all of our problems it answers all of our questions. It's what causes peace in, in, in a lack of peace. When we have we are coming from a place of incoherence, from a place of chaos, okay? And the Torah that is drawn to us, those explanations, that deeper understanding that is drawn to us as the explanations of the Torah, as the, the wellspring of that those living waters. It brings us from that state of incoherence, from that state of chaos, to a state of peace and a peace, a state of coherence, a state of, of harmony, of completion, of perfection, of beauty, of order. Okay, everything is perfect. Everything is wonderful, as is. The perfection that is already here and already now. Shlemutakol. Okay, that's just another another name of Hashem. Hashem, his name is Shalom, as we mentioned so many times, and Shalom also means peace, and it also means perfection. Shleimut comes from the same word. So it's the perfection, the peace, the peace, and the 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 joy, the content, the satisfaction in the absolute perfection that is already here and already now. And, and that that's the experience that you have when you're tapping into the divine, when you are experiencing Dvekut, a connection to Hashem. And that's drawn to you through the explanations of the Torah. Okay, that's that nourishment that nourishes your soul and nourishes your consciousness with that experience. And um, these, this brings us to 
through the process of being nourished, even though we are going through the desert and we have, you know, difficulties, trials, tribulations, being nourished by those explanations of the Torah that will pacify and dissolve, pacify us, dissolving all of our problems, answering all the questions, solving all of the problems that we have. It's what brings us to effectively inherit the land, get to Eretz Yisrael, live, inherit, dwell in Eretz Yisrael, live and in, inherit the land of Eretz Yisrael. And so there's a process of how do we go through this and how do we merit this? And there are nine parts of this, nine aspects of this process. Okay, nine, uh, nine bechinot, as Rabbi Nachman calls it. Okay, nine points in this story, which is the story of our lives, really. And those nine points, Rabbi Nachman is going to teach us, closer to the end of this Torah, how they are represented in the nine points of the beard, the nine rectifications of the beard. And he's going to take the words of the Zohar, that, of the Sifra that's Nyuta, that are describing each one of these nine points in the beard. And he's going to show us how in those words it's hinting to, hinting to, not, it's not clearly speaking about, but it's hinting to each one of these nine aspects that he's going to speak about through the story. And so that's a very um, a good overview of what we're going to be seeing here. And so we're in the middle of Ot Bet here. And what we saw up until now is that when the soul of Miriam, she's the one who gives us these uh, the secret, the explanations of the Torah. She's the one who teaches us this soul. It, it doesn't mean that it's, it's a woman, right? It's just that the soul is called Miriam because as we said, uh, in order to be a pure channel for the light of the Torah to be drawn through this soul into the world this she's, she needs to live a life that is uh, pure from any attachments to the physical world doesn't mean that she can't have any physical uh, abundance she can definitely Moshe Rabbeinu was tremendously wealthy okay Rabbi Yudha Anasi also Rabbi in the Gemara in uh, that is mentioned in the Gemara that he was very, very wealthy. But at the same time, before he passed away, he said that he lifted up his ten fingers and he said that he didn't, uh, he didn't fill himself with the pleasures of this world even in one of his ten fingers. Not even one of his ten fingers. So he could have eaten from these things, maybe, maybe not, but it was without any attachment to it. Okay? The the nourishment that he was getting, the pleasure that he was getting, is like as we spoke about in Torah 19, it was from the from the letters of the Torah within that food. Okay, and so that's what it's uh, that's what it means about this Miriam soul, and so that's what it means that the bitterness, meaning that on the outside it seems like it's it's bitterness, but to that soul there's tremendous pleasure in in living directly from that and exclusively from the from the infinite eternal pleasure in everything that is physical from those sparks of holiness and so that's why she's called Miriam and this soul uh, the Miriam soul her words must be burning burning with enthusiasm a fiery enthusiasm um, not only the way that it's coming from her, but also the way it's experienced by others. Others must be in so much awe, in so much excitement, um, anticipation, 
recognizing the tremendous power and significance of these holy words of Torah, that they're filled with a burning fire, burning desire, burning passion, passionate fire for these words of Torah. But says Rabbi Nachman, when that and if that fire is cooled off, and there's sort of an indifference to those words of Torah, to those explanations of the Torah. So then that Miriam's soul passes away. And when she passes away, so then the explanations of the Torah are also lost from the generation because she is the source of those explanations of the Torah for the whole generation. And when those explanations of the Torah are lost from the generation because Miriam is no longer with us, then those answers to all the questions is are no longer we no longer have those answers to the questions we no longer have the solutions to the problems and then all of a sudden what happens is there's no longer peace there's quarrels and arguments against who first and foremost against the leaders of the generations against the tzaddikim of the generation against Moshe and Aaron and that's exactly what happened in the Torah when Miriam passed away and the water that was coming forth from you know the Be'er Shel Miriam, the wellspring of Miriam, coming forth from the from the rock, and was it, it stopped? It ceased to be, and the people didn't have what to drink, meaning that they didn't have those explanations of the Torah, and they came. They came and they complained. The nation came and complained to Moshe and Aaron. Why did you take us out of Egypt? Right. All these explanations. You led us astray. You led us to this place where there's no water. Okay. And this is all we're starting to see how it's fitting. It's a beautiful explanation of the vision that Rabbi Nachman had that we spoke about at the beginning of this Torah, right? That everyone is coming to the two kings, the two leaders in their two palaces, the two houses and complaining, why did you lead us astray? And now Rabbi Nachman says that in order to draw these explanations of the Torah, the the Miriam soul, and we also said that the Miriam soul, each one of us has an aspect of Miriam's soul within us, okay? And so the source of all the explanations of the Torah within us is the aspect of Miriam within us. And so every tzaddik, every person that teaches Torah has within him this aspect of Miriam, where he is drawing forth new explanations of Torah. Yes, collectively it's drawn from the collective Miriam, the, the general Miriam of the whole generation. But each one of us has this experience. And says Rabbi Nachman, in order to draw these, this water, okay, where is it drawn from? It's drawn from the heart. It's drawn from the, the supernal heart. The, 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 Elyon, the heart of Hashem, so to speak. Okay, and that heart is called Tzum Levavi, just like the water was drawn from the, the, this rock. And so that heart is called the rock of my heart. And we explain that it's called the rock, and usually a rock is something that's hard and inanimate. But, but in the side of holiness, the heart is called the rock, and even though it's called a rock, it only means that it is it has that that infinite stability okay you can rely on it completely it's always there supporting you and it's completely the opposite of a regular rock that is hard and inanimate because it's the softest most compassionate and most lively heart that you can ever imagine infinitely compassionate 
infinitely animate and lively. It's the source of life for the whole universe. Imagine that. Okay, all compassion throughout the whole of the universe, not just this physical world, not just the compassion that a mother has to her children, multiplied by all the mothers to all of their children throughout all of history, times a billion million, not only that, and all the compassion from every person to every other person that is, you know, throughout all of history, not only that, times a billion, but all the compassion that's found throughout the whole universe, throughout all the, 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 the elements of the universe times a billion million because even even more than that because it's infinite infinite compassion and that's what that heart is so it's it's not it's not a hard and inanimate okay it's the most lively compassionate soft and loving heart in the whole universe but it's a rock because it's infinitely supportive okay infinitely reliable Okay, and that's where we draw forth the explanations of the Torah from the heavenly heart. Okay, um, but first, says Rabbi Nachman, we want to draw forth words of prayer. We want to draw forth words of prayer, and so it's very interesting here. We have three hearts that we're speaking about. Okay, we have the heart of the person that is opened up. When he is praying to Hashem, we have the next heart is the the heart, the heavenly heart, where the words of Torah are drawn to us, and then we have also Hashem Himself, okay, beyond what we call the heavenly heart, the source of the Torah, beyond that, there's also just Hashem Himself, which is called the Rock of Israel. Okay, the rock of Israel, the rock of our heart, as David calls it in, in Tehillim. Okay, and this is these three aspects are uh, really represented in the famous Zohar. The Zohar tells us that there are three uh, aspects that are paralleling each other. There are three levels which are connected, paralleling each other one with each other, overlapping. There is Hashem and the Torah and B'nai Israel, the nation that receives the Torah and learns the Torah and lives with the Torah. And that's the three hearts that we're speaking about. It's really one heart that has that's connected in three levels. Okay? And so, it says Rabbi Nachman, what we want to do first is we want to awaken that heavenly heart so that words of prayer are drawn to us. And through those words of prayer, we are able to draw those explanations of Torah. Most people think that I pray, I figure out what to say, and then I get a response. But on a deeper level, and this is the way Rabbi Nachman teaches it, we don't, we are not the ones who speak the words of prayer. A true prayer, a deep prayer, the profound prayer that we're looking for is the prayer that that comes naturally through us. We're a channel for it. And all we need to do is to get to that state where through that state, the words of prayer just flow through us. And so it's about opening up our heart. When we tap into that part within us, that compassion, that self-compassion, compassion to others, being present with what I'm feeling, with what I'm needing, with what's alive within me right now, 
And from that place I turn to Hashem, then Hashem's heart is also awakened towards us, right? It goes, it goes like it's re- like a reflection. And when Hashem's heart, that heavenly heart, is open towards us, now we have words of prayer that start flowing through us. These words to Hashem from our hearts, from deep within our heart. And then through that comes the explanations of the Torah. Okay, and so let's read inside a little bit. That's where we're up to now. This heart that we're speaking about, the heavenly heart that is the source of our prayer, of a heartfelt prayer, it's the source of all the explanations of the Torah, is called Sela, the rock. Okay, before we called it Tzuv, which is also a rock, but it's also called Sela, which is the way that the Torah speaks about the rock in the story of Miriam. It speaks about Sela, right? Moshe Rabbeinu hit the rock, and then the Torah says Sela. It calls it Sela. And so th- this is also connected to the words. Where do we see the words that are drawn from the Sela, from this rock? So Rabbi Nachman brings us a Gemara, a reference, a source where we see that this aspect of speech, heartfelt speech, is drawn from a rock, from the Sela. Because it says in the Gemara, Mile Bitsela. Mishtuka bitrein. That's the continuation of the Gemara. The Gemara is speaking about how uh, the Gemara says that if speaking a word is worth a sela, and the word sela in the Gemara, in the context over there, is not speaking about a rock, but it's speaking about money, a certain coin that was called uh, sela. And if one word is worth a sela, the value of that word, of speaking that word, is a sela, a certain amount of money, then says the Gemara, Mishtuka bitrein. Then not speaking, silence, says the Gemara, is worth double that. Basically, the Gemara says it's always more valuable. Silence is more valuable than speech, says the Gemara. Okay, Kabbalistically, we know that as well because we know that the aspect of speech is from the lower sphere out, and the aspect of uh, silence is from the higher sphere of the spirit of consciousness, right? Um, when a person is meditating and they're absolutely silent, and that silence is more precious because uh, the depth of it is much greater than the depth of any words spoken. Okay, and that's why there's also uh, a true, wonderful teacher, a holy teacher, someone who knows how to teach Torah is able to convey that in the way he teaches Torah. It's the pauses in between the sentences, the pauses in between the words, where he gives the students the time to be silently, silently reflect on what was just said. That's when true understanding happens. That's when the real depth of the words is experienced. Experienced. Also when we learn Torah. When we learn Torah, we must learn and then reflect on what we just learned learn and then reflect it's in that period of silent reflection inner reflection deep reflection that we really grow and really come to understand and internalize what we're learning and so that's the simple understanding of that gemara the gaon mivilna um rebeliao of vilna explains this these words in the gemara in a very interesting way he says uh, he says and it fits into our context context here he says what is the gemara saying 
מילה בסלע, משתוקה בטריין. Okay. Literally, what it means is, if there were words to, spoken to the rock, then there would be silence by the two. That's the literal translation of these words. Okay. It says the Rabbi Eliyahu Avilna, it's alluding to the fact that if Moshe and Aaron had spoken to the rock instead of hitting it, then there would be silence by the two. Who are the two it's referring to? Rabbi Eliyahu Avilna says it's referring to Eldad and Medad. We know they were pro- they, they, had, they, they had a prophecy. Um, they, their prophecy was that Moshe met Yoshua Machnis. Moshe will pass away before they go into Israel and Yoshua, his student, will bring them into Israel. And, uh, and then Yoshua, when he heard this, he told Moshe, he says, Adoni Moshe, kilaim. My master Moshe, you should put them in, in jail because they're disrespecting the master by, that's not inappropriate. Even if you get a prophecy like that, it's inappropriate to speak like that. It's, it's disrespecting the master. disrespecting the king Moshe was the king of Israel and and Moshe Rabbeinu said no no Moshe Rabbeinu says he says if only the whole nation were Nevi'im right were, were prophets and so those are the two that it's referring to here when it says then the two would be silent if Moshe if there were words spoken to the rock instead of the rock being hit then those two, Eldad and Medad, would be silent. They wouldn't have had this prophecy that Moshe passes away and Yeshua is going to bring them into Israel. Okay? And so that's fitting into our context. That's why I brought it up. But anyways, Rabbi Nachman wants to give to us the, uh, this connection. He always does this. He brings us his drashot and chazal where we see a connection between... Here we see the connection between words and selah. Selah is the rock that Rabbi Nachman says is referring to the heavenly rock. The heavenly heart which is called the infinitely reliable rock and support and and that that's the source of all these holy words words of prayer hearts felt right and the source of the words of the Torah explanations of the Torah and now that you sell I'm going to also connect it to Tzu don't think that Sela which is a rock and Tzu which is a rock are two different things and it's referring to two different things No, they are both the same aspect. So Sela, says Rabbi Nachman, is synonymous with Tzur. They are both the aspect of the rock. As it says in Tehillim, that Moshe Rabbeinu, when it's speaking about Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe Rabbeinu, in the Torah, it says that he hit the Sela. But in Tehillim, when it's describing the Torah and the story, it tells us that he split the rock. He split the Tzur and water flowed out. So we see that that Sela is also called Tzur. And it's also the aspect of the heavenly supernal heart. As we said, the rock of my heart, the Tzur of my heart. And this heart is stirred up with compassion, this heavenly heart. The Tzolevavi is stirred up, stirred up emotionally, right? With this compassion. 
and and it's and it's in, inspires these impassioned impassionate these impassioned words okay as it says that my heart grew impassioned within me when when in my utterance a fire blazed my heart grew impassioned within me when in my utterance a fire blazed then I spoke aloud so from that impassion the, the, the impassioned heart yeah those words are drawn okay in my utterance a fire blazed when I spoke aloud is drawn from it comes from the impassioned heart from the kham libi Okay, so through that stirring up of that awakening of this tremendous compassion in the heavenly heart, through that is drawn this 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 fire, and through that is drawn those words of prayer and the the words of Torah. Says Rabbi Nachman, in this heavenly supernal heart. All the infinite explanations of the Torah. Remember in the vision of Rabbi Nachman, just on this story, there was an infinitely great, huge room without any end to it, with aisles upon aisles upon aisles of books and books and manuscripts, all of them explaining this this vision. Okay, and so there's infinite amount of explanations of the Torah. We know the story with that result, famous story with that result, that Shabbat afternoon. He was resting and his lips were moving. And uh, one of his, uh, I think his name was Rabbi Avram, the disciple of the Arizal, tried to hear what, what he was saying. And Arizal woke up and he asked the Rabbi, what, you know, what happened? And Arizal said that he would, he, when, he, when he goes to sleep, he, you know, he has access to the heavenly yeshivot, whichever, whichever uh, yeshiva he wants to go to learn to study Torah. He has access to all of them. And right now he was learning, he was studying the secrets of the donkey of Bila. And in those short moments that he fell asleep, that he took a nap on Shabbat afternoon, he said that just from, I think he said one or just from one or two of the explanations that he learned, he learned many, many, many explanations on this aspect, like who knows, maybe 80 or nine. He said, just from one of them, I couldn't, it could not be explained to a student, even if in 80 years straight of his life, it would not be sufficient to explain one of the explanations that, that I just learned. And so there are infinite, infinite amounts. Rabbi Nachman teaches us in another place in the Quitim Oran, that time in the world, in the world of all of eternity, how is time measured, right? What is, time doesn't exist. How you measure time? And how do you know that, you know, a year has passed by or a month has passed by? Time is measured there by the downloads of Torah. And so if you would understand what that means, that means that if there is this state of living for all of eternity, then that means that there is an eternal and infinite amount of downloads of Torah, of understanding Torah, explanations of the Torah, infinite amount. Okay, and all of that, says Rabbi Nachman, is all written on this supernal heavenly heart. And that's why the Torah tells us, Uchtavtam Amezuzot Betecha, Uchtavtam 
says, the Gemara says, Kotvem aluach libecha. You must inscribe the words of the Torah on the tablets of your heart. Obviously, everything that the Torah is telling us for us how to live our life down here, we know from the Zohar, many places, from Chazal, it's all a, it's an order that we should align ourselves and emulate the divine. And so when we pray, Hashem is praying. When we put on tefillin, Hashem is putting on tefillin. Hashem's prayer and Hashem's tefillin don't have any shape or form and it's not the way that we can, you know, imagine it or visualize it, right? But that's what we're doing. We're emulating Hashem. And so every mitzvah in the Torah, so to speak, we are emulating Hashem. This is this is the way that Hashem reveals His, his divinity, his, his life energy throughout the universe. And so when the Torah is telling us to inscribe these words of the Torah on your heart, it's because all the words of the Torah are inscribed on in the heart of Hashem, so to speak. Hashem doesn't have a heart. Okay, He doesn't have a part of Him that is called the heart. Okay, But there is, metaphorically, this aspect in the spherot and the worlds, and the higher worlds, that is called Levayelion, that we're speaking about. Um, and in that heart, the whole Torah is inscribed. Okay, and so we'll see more about this heart and more about these explanations of the Torah in the next year of Israel Hashem.